we glad she's back? I, Jesus, am the bright morning star. All hell, King Jesus, all hell, Emmanuel. Would you stand as we sing together? Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. As always, it's good to see each and every one of you. And we look forward to a time of singing praises to God. Our encouragement is the power of His Spirit in our lives. So no matter what we face, we have the ability to trust all that He can and does for us. So I hope that you will embrace that. Focus your attention this morning. Not on the cares of the world today, focus them upon Jesus, because that time of worship that we will have today will mean everything to our hearts and souls. This is the very first day that you have been with us. We'd love for you to take the guest card in the pew in front of you and fill it out, drop it in the offering plate when it's passed. We would certainly appreciate that. And I guess we're probably not going to pass the offering plates, but we might have the boxes in each of the exits, so you can put them in there if you want. Let's pray together, okay? Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come and worship. But Father, today, we focus our attention upon forgiveness and how the salvation that Jesus Christ offers to each one of us who by faith would accept his amazing gift and sacrifice would have the ability to be forgiven which produces in our lives gratitude and Father gives us peace in all areas. And I pray this morning our focus will be upon your forgiveness. The great debt that we owed and that we continue to owe except for what Jesus has done for us. And Father, thank you for his death, burial, and resurrection. Today, we sing songs of faith. We lift up your word in honor of what you've done. And humbly, we do that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Let's continue our time of worship and celebration. A hymn written way back in 1914, still very powerful words since Jesus came into my heart. Will you pray with me? Our holy God and loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful to you for the cross, for your Son, that he came in to seek and save the lost. And Father God, for each of us here today that he has saved, Father, we are so grateful. Lord, we pray this morning for our service, God, for each and every element of what might take place for the songs that we've already sung, God, and that those will sing, might we take the lyrics into our hearts, Father, and appreciate and listen to and hear with our hearts what is being said. 
God, I pray for our pastor this morning as he brings our message. Lord, would you help each one of us to open our hearts, God, to hear and to listen with our hearts, God, that we might glean from it what you would have us to learn today, Father, that we might take it as a, a means for us to, to be forgiving of others. God, it's Jesus and that you forgive us, Father. We're so grateful, Father, because we're so undeserving. And Lord, as we look at our world today, we live in a world of turmoil. And there are many things, Father, that could be discouraging and make us afraid. But God, I pray that we will remember as Christians that we are the ones who have the hope. And that every person in this world, Father, their hope is only found in you. And so that we, as your people, Father, would be willing to tell others about you, God, that we would make that such a priority in our lives because God without that they will not be able to go to heaven and Lord I know each of us have many loved ones that we want to see in heaven someday and God especially for those in Afghanistan today we pray Father you know each and every person each and every heart God we pray that you might be merciful and God that many many of them might be able to come home but God, if there are Christians there who might lose their lives, Father, God, that you would give them, as Anne Graham Lott said, you would give them dying grace, Father, and dying peace, that you might open the clouds of heaven as you did when Stephen was stoned, Father, as a martyr, that they might be able to see you standing at the right hand of God and welcoming them into heaven. And so, God, we just are grateful for who you are be with our service today. Father, if there's one here who does not know you, Father, would this be the day that they might come to know you as their personal Savior? For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Redeemed how I love to proclaim it, his child and forever I am.
Good morning. Our scripture reading for this morning is from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. You can use your Bibles or feel free to follow along on the screen. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Teacher, tell me, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman <clears throat> and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in, in peace. The word of the Lord.
Amen. Isn't that a great song? I hope and pray that each one of us has that kind of peace. We come to this passage of scripture, and Sandy, thank you so much for reading our scripture. We appreciate that. We think about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a critical part of life, and to live it to its fullest. In this passage of scripture, in Luke chapter 7, we have a Pharisee, a religious leader, and we have a prostitute, a lady who lived a sinful life. This event converged together and Jesus saw a teachable opportunity. It is a beautiful picture of forgiveness. The Pharisee and the prostitute had a common problem, and yet they didn't realize it. They didn't know it. That common problem, because if, if you were to ask Simon and say, you guys have something in common, he would be repulsed. He would say, absolutely not. In fact, we go back to this passage of Scripture, and in his mind, you remember, he said, if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know who is touching him. It also tells us that Jesus knows what we're thinking. <laughs> because he didn't say it out loud. But he addressed it. It also tells us that sometimes religious people can think one thing and say something different or not say anything at all, Jesus still knows. He addressed it. But here we find that this publican, uh, I'm sorry, this, this, uh, this Pharisee, to even think that this prostitute was anything like him, he would say no. Because he was a man who followed the rules. He followed the rules of life to remain respectable in the community. This woman, she knew her lifestyle. She understood. In fact, she was one that would be for sale for the highest bidder. She knew what she was. And she was well aware of the contempt that a Pharisee would have for a person like she probably felt that the contempt was justified as well because in this kind of lifestyle when you dig deep into the recesses of the mind and heart you come to an understanding of a self-awareness and some self-hate and yet here we have them they're both sinners in the need of forgiveness it's interesting that the woman was the only one who found the solution to her problem that she was a sinner she was the only one who heard Jesus say your sins are forgiven they both were in the presence of the one who could forgive but it was only the prostitute who took advantage of it this should send chills down our spine. I think that one of the lessons that this tells us is that we need to be sensitive and to listen to what Jesus tells us through the power of his spirit. I think this passage teaches a number of things, but first and foremost, we come to an understanding that salvation comes through faith. That is crystal clear. You find that Jesus responded to the faith that he found in the heart of the woman. And he said to her, your faith has saved you. Since salvation is by faith, we find that God covers the expenses. Jesus wanted to give clear understanding to what was happening with not only Simon the Pharisee, but those of his friends who were gathered at the home. And so he told the Pharisee a parable. 
There were two men who had debts, one with 500 denarii, the other with 50 denarii. A denarii, one is probably about uh, uh, equivalent uh, to a day's wage, so it's a, quite a debt. One is 10 times greater than the other. And in this parable, he said, neither man could pay the debt. And so the creditor, the one who had lent the money, the money launderer and lender, he forgave the debt. And he asked Simon, he said, so which one do you think feels a greater gratitude and he said well I think the one who had the greater debt and Jesus said you have judged well I don't know if Jesus was trying to get across to the crowd at the house that the debt of the prostitute was greater than the debt of the Pharisee but I believe with all my heart the Pharisee would never have admitted that he owed a debt greater than he could pay to God. It was not his personality. I think that the woman on the street would have freely said, yes, I owe that debt and I cannot pay. But you know what? God knows our sin debt. He knows that for all of us, we have an inability to pay. We can't do it. This teaching helps us understand the forgiveness that God gives. Because when Jesus assured this prostitute that her sins were forgiven, he was assuring her that God would accept the responsibility for that debt. In other words, we understand that God paid the debt. He was responsible. And that debt came through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, even one who was sinless, taking on the sins of all humanity and being crucified, buried, and raised again. You see, he took our sins on his own body. Our sin debt was charged to his account. We can't pay it ourselves. This woman understood that. The Pharisee didn't. You see, faith in no way pays the debt that we owe. Rather, it accepts the generous gift of God. We find that it, it accepts the blessed work that he did and the expense that it cost him. We also understand that faith does not offer any payment to God. We don't have that kind of ability. It simply rests in the character and the promise of God. He says, I forgive you. Faith freely admits our inability to pay. It sees God as our only hope. And that's where the, the lady was. The Pharisee rested upon his religiosity, <laughs> his understanding of the rules the religious rules, striving to live by them every single day in that narrow path. Since salvation is by faith, it costs Jesus, but it's also available to all. Here, Jesus is making an assumption when he gives this parable. He is making the assumption that the creditor can pay both the 500 denarii and the 50. In other words, he has that kind of ability. Since he's rich enough to pay off any debt, he can offer forgiveness to everyone. That's what the parable is saying. And I think the Apostle Paul picked up on that idea of the riches of God in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 when he assured the Ephesians that God is rich in grace. He associated the riches of God's grace with the full forgiveness that we have received. He also said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2.4 that God is rich in mercy. <laughs> you see, God is rich enough to absorb whatever sin that we might have run up on the books of heaven. There is nothing too far, nothing too bad, nothing too extreme that we have ever done that God cannot eliminate it through his grace and his mercy. He forgives. 
This woman had nothing to offer Jesus. All she could do was put her trust in the generous, forgiving nature of the Lord. And you know what? That's all any of us can do. You see, salvation comes to us through our faith. And God's forgiveness then comes through that faith. Once we come to the place where we realize, I can't do it on my own, the offer of grace and mercy and forgiveness is given to us. We also find that salvation produces gratitude. One that has been radically transformed understands that kind of gratitude. Jesus explained the actions of the woman to the Pharisee, and, and you understand that her response was in sharp contrast to his. Simon had received Jesus into his home without that usual expression of having an honored guest come. It was almost like Simon had in the back of his mind, well, I, I'm doing Jesus a favor to offer him to be able to come and reside at the table and enjoy this festival. Here's what Jesus said to Simon in verses 44 through 47. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. What a profound passage. The contrast. Jesus lays it out. Simon, normally when somebody, an honored guest, comes into your home, you, your servants, they come and they wash the dust off of the feet. That was tradition. They greet them with a, a ceremonial kiss on the cheek. Why? To say welcome. The oil was cheap, but you anoint the head with oil out of respect. And he said, you did not one of those. And here is this woman, this lady of the evening, who wet my feet with her tears and wiped it with her hair. Here is this woman who understood the gravity of her sin. Because of her love, she has not stopped kissing my feet since I entered. And here's this woman who put the perfume on my feet. Let me tell you, forgiveness produces a grateful love. True forgiveness. Forgiveness that we have understood and we have felt. That's real in our lives. The love of this woman was mixed with deep gratitude. She truly loved Christ because he first loved her. His love engraced her life with forgiveness, so she responded to him in love. It was a radical transformation in her life she had done nothing but reach out to him in faith and he pardoned her abundantly completely the gratitude brought tears to her eyes and you know what she did not waste those tears they dripped continuously upon his feet as he reclined at the table and then she washed them what Simon should have done. Let me tell you, you compare that response to the response of Simon. You see, the reality is that uh, he had no great affection for Jesus. Heard that he was a rabbi, a prophet, a teacher, 
He was intrigued. He wanted to learn more. But he was snug in his religious beliefs. He was snug in his religious training. He understood the concepts in his mind. His cognitive understanding of the Pentateuch was profound. But he would not bow down before Jesus. The difference between the two responses is the awareness of the forgiveness. Because the Pharisee was offered that forgiveness. But the woman, she took it to heart. She understood that it was gone, the sin. The awareness. Listen, sin is sin. We know that. A prostitute's sin is no greater than one of our sins, those of us who strive to learn and study the word and still fail along the way. Sin is sin before God. We need to be aware of that. Nothing is more repulsive to God than legalistic religion that is correct but without heart. Religion that is not an expression of a loving gratitude because as Psalm 51 verse 17 says, God prefers the broken spirit and the contrite heart. That's what he wants. Not only does forgiveness produce a grateful love, forgiveness produces a sacrificial love and gratitude. This gesture of the sinful woman was sacrificial. You see, it would have been proper for this host to have anointed the head of Jesus with oil. Again, I say it was cheap. It could have been easily done. Simon wanted nothing to do with that. But here this woman had brought something of great worth. Flask was made out of alabaster. It was expensive. That part was. It's what she was capable of bringing. And she broke the neck of that flask and she put the perfume on his feet. She didn't feel that that she that she could put it on his head as Simon could have as a show of respect. She went and put it on his feet. <coughs> but she would not withhold from him her very best. And Jesus understood that as an act of love. Sometimes some of us think we can't give the Lord as much as we want to. But what he really wants is a grateful heart, a heart of love. A heart that understands the depth of the forgiveness that he's given. The joy of the forgiveness that he's forgiven. That our sin is gone. And our willing spirit to give the very best that we have to give. Whether it be the two little coins that Jesus emphasized on the very poor woman that gave just what she had at the temple. When so many were giving so much. They were giving out of their abundance. She gave all she had, and Jesus pointed it out to the disciples. This woman gave the very best that she had as an expression, not to get salvation, not to get forgiveness, but as an expression of her gratitude for what Jesus did. You see, this is the way of forgiveness. You see, when the burden and the brokenness of sin is removed from our heart, we're free. It allows our human heart that might have become somewhat callous to all of a sudden live again, to understand love again. It's capable of a new response now. It's capable of responding with a true giving love. This woman probably, because of her lifestyle, had lost the capacity to love anyone. What kind of lifestyle it does that to a person. But here we find that God's love restored that ability to respond and to feel gratitude. And he'll do that to any one of us. You see, it, it makes people capable of under, outstanding sacrifice. I think if you go into 
those in the Christian history and even today that do great things for God, you go back, you find that there was a point in time when they really understood forgiveness. And it changed their heart to where all they wanted to do was to serve the Lord with whatever they had. And in God's eyes, accomplished outstanding work. I think also forgiveness produces a selfless love and gratitude. This woman forgot about herself, where she was in this Pharisee's house. She forgot that anybody else was in that room. And somehow she got into that house, and she, from the very beginning, began weeping. The tears flowing on the feet of Jesus. And she came and took her hair down and started wiping his feet. And people like Simon and the others like him there. They were shocked because they were proper and correct You see, a proper woman would not behave this way. Wasn't she concerned about what others might think? Public opinion was always important to people like Simon the Pharisee. The outward religious understanding, but inwardly, he was a dead person. Jesus used the term in the King James Version like a whitewashed sepulcher on the outside it looks good but on the inside it's dead and then of all things she began to kiss his feet <laughs> what was she thinking but you say if you look you find that somebody that has been in a life of sin. When they finally have come to the place where they've recognized their sin and they find that, that understanding of salvation that only Jesus can give and the forgiveness that have, has wiped that away, it changes them dramatically. They want to do everything they can to show their appreciation. And here we find it was her publicly demonstrating that she had surrendered her life to the Lordship of Jesus. And she didn't care who knew or who saw. Because her focus was on Jesus. You know, as far as we know, she didn't utter a word through this whole experience because her actions spoke louder than her words. And I think that always brings the question to us. What about our response to the Lord? Are we more like Simon or are we more like this woman? And I'm not talking about just the point when we gave our lives to Christ. I'm talking about today. Do our actions speak louder than our words? Do we really care that the people around us, in our neighborhoods, that we do things with, do we really care if they know that we're a believer and we don't mind expressing it, don't mind expressing the very fact that we understand the debt that we had and what Jesus did for us, eliminating that sin and giving us freedom? Do we care? Or do we need to be proper and be careful what we say and how we act? Salvation not only produces gratitude and love, but we also find that salvation brings peace. Notice that Jesus spoke to the woman. He said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think this is always the divine order. The person hears the good news. They know, know that Jesus is the one 
to go to for salvation. And so by faith, they accept. And salvation comes, then comes forgiveness, and then comes peace. You see, only the forgiven can know the peace with God and the peace of God. The search for peace apart for forgiveness is a vain search. It's only going to lead to disappointment. You can try to find peace anywhere that you want. Through any material thing, through any psychological thing, through various connections, but I promise you, you will never find that peace that passes all understanding. It will be a disappointing journey until you come and you realize that it only comes through Jesus. Forgiveness precedes peace with God. You see, this is the word that sent the woman away in favor of God. In other words, she could leave the presence of Jesus knowing she and God were okay. He had forgiven her. Can you imagine that excitement? Sin had broken that relationship that she had with God way back when. Sin had exposed her, as it does all sinners, to the wrath of God, the judgment of God that says, you know what? And we are all sinners, and when we are sinners, we are separated from God for all eternity unless we come to the place of salvation through Jesus alone. She found that. When Jesus removed the sin debt, he made it possible for her to enjoy a right relationship with God. She could begin to understand that spiritual fullness and fulfillment that the Spirit gives us as we walk in intimacy with Him. She's able to experience that, that inner connection that the peace of God gives only to us. And I think this is what each one of us should feel. Even as believers in Jesus Christ, sometimes we allow sin to clog up and to mess up that relationship with God. We have salvation, we know it, but as believers, sometimes we make wrong decisions and sometimes we get off the path of that uh, intimacy with God. And sometimes we just get a little bit callous because we read the scriptures and we know it, we think we have it cognitively, intuitively, but we have missed the meaning. One of the things that, that I've come to realize, uh, when we lived in Seattle and when we lived in New Mexico, we had great Awana programs. Lots of kids going through the, 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 the memory verses, the, the rope memory step by step. We did everything that we possibly could to help them to understand what they were memorizing as far as scriptures, what it meant. What we found years later in their later teens and early 20s, is that they didn't remember those scriptures. They didn't make the connection of what it meant. There's a difference between rope memory, between being religious, and it changing our heart, and it changing who changes who we are. Jesus is trying to get this across this woman through salvation, but for each one of us, that we must stay attuned to God. We must always remember the debt that God has forgiven us of. And have that gratitude and have that love and understand that forgiveness. This woman, she experienced the peace that came through that forgiveness. And you can know that peace, too, as a believer. By laying everything out for God and saying, God, man, I, I just have taken a leave of absence. Not from everything that I've done as far as my habits of reading the scripture, but applying it to my life and my heart. 
leave every obstacle behind. We find also that forgiveness precedes peace with yourself. Sin gives birth to a self-destructive self-hate. When we sin, and we knowingly sin, and we make the choice to sin, it is destructive. And down deep in our soul, we don't like that. We hate that. Because we know better. We have seen the light. We've experienced Christ at the peak. And yet as a believer, when we realize that we have gone off the path, it destroys our sense of self-worth. In fact, it may lead us to set ourselves up for failure after failure after failure. But you see, forgiveness from Jesus can create a new sense of self-esteem. A new sense of self-worth because it's not based on our works, it's based on our relationship with Him. And our relationship with Him, when it is clear and it is channeled correctly and we are growing and more intimate with Him, we begin to feel His heart, the depth of what His mind desires us to know how to live. One person who knew the depth of her sin described it like this. She said, I bowed before him a tramp and got up a lady. That's the way each one of us could be. Because sin sets us to the side. But there's something about that recommitment to God. That understanding that God, you've forgiven me for my sins. You've paid for them all, and I've messed up, and I, I don't have that clear understanding of what you want now because I've made some bad choices, but today I lay those before you. I ask you to forgive me, and as a believer, I want you to help me understand the depth of your forgiveness. I think that's what happened to this lady at her point of salvation. For the first time in her life, she very well may have felt worth something. We also find that forgiveness precedes peace with others. It precedes peace with God. It precedes peace with yourself. It also precedes peace with others. You know, I've always wondered about this woman when Jesus said, your faith has saved you, go. I wonder where she went. I wonder if there was a family that she went to go and search out that she hadn't seen in a long time. I wonder if she went to maybe some remote uh, village in Galilee somewhere to reconnect with people that she was ashamed to show her face before. I wonder if there were some people early in her life that created problems for her that actually moved her down the, the road a self-destructive road and I believe that the forgiveness of God changed her way of thinking about how to forgive others and forgiving others is absolutely critical so I'm not sure where she went but in my mind I believe with all my heart that she was heading to go make things right with others because she had understood understood the depth of her sin and the depth of forgiveness and the gratitude and the love and she wanted to share that I believe that our forgiveness of sin is sure proof that we have been forgiven when we're able to forgive others that have really treated us incorrectly and wrong and we're able to forgive them. I believe that's living proof that God has done a work in our life. So I'd like to come back one more time and ask you the question. Are you more like the Pharisee or the prostitute? I think for each one of us, we must come to the place where we want to make sure that our relationship with the 
before God, with ourself, and with others is right. And have that peace. And the way to experience that peace is forgiveness. Letting God forgive us with our genuineness of our confession before him. With our ability to forgive others who have sinned against us. And our ability to forgive ourselves when God has forgiven us. And it will set us free. Father, we come into your time of invitation, specifically looking at this passage with an understanding that Jesus had something to say. And that something to say was centered around forgiveness. And Father, I pray that this morning, for any of us, if there's sin in our life, I ask that we would ask you to take it away and to forgive us, that we can experience deep gratitude and love and peace. And God, if there is someone who has sinned against us, regardless of what they choose to do, I pray that you would do a work in our life where we would be able to forgive them and not hold a grudge that can turn into a root of bitterness because you offer that, that amazing peace. And Father, I pray that if we have sinned against others, that you would reveal that to us. And when it's brought before our attention, that, Lord, we would be willing to accept responsibility and to ask forgiveness of that person or those people. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would bring us to a place that we also could forgive ourselves and truly be free without burden, without sin, to experience you in a deep, continuing love relationship with you. That is the desire of your heart this morning, Father, whatever it takes, I pray that each one of us before you will make those decisions. And Father, if there are public decisions to make, we invite them. But this morning, or this morning, this is about you speaking to us and us responding. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. This morning, I'm going to ask you if you would stand and just bow your heads. We're not going to sing. I'm going to ask Ruth if you'll just continue to play. And I'm going to ask you if you would, just pray. You and God, talk about what we've talked about. And if there's a decision to make this morning, you make it where you are. And if there's a public decision, I'll be here at the front. You come. But today, let's prepare ourselves to leave this place with gratitude and love understanding forgiveness and then peace you come as god leads you but pray <laughs>